Come on, Josh, take it away. Mountain, it's good to be with you this weekend. Uh, shout out to all of those who are uh, at different campuses and those who are watching online. Man, it is a pleasure to share with you. I want to also give a, a big shout out to uh, Pastor Ben and Pastor Luke for their support of Hope Baltimore, which is the church plant that I lead. We are just a baby, 10 months old. Uh, we're in the city of Baltimore, uh, just two blocks from Penn Station. So, if you're ever in the city and you want to just come hang with us, we would love to have you to come check us out and uh, spend a little time with us. And again, thank you all for your support of, uh, of our church plant. And good, it's good to be here with you all. If you have a Bible, uh, we will land in uh, the New Testament scripture or, or uh, book of Colossians. We'll get there in just a moment. Um, one thing that uh, maybe you should know about me uh, is that uh, I love sports, have a sports background. As a matter of fact, uh, had the opportunity, as I would say, to have a couple of cups of coffee with the NFL. Uh, that just means my career was shorter than I would like. Um, <laughs> but I, I, I love sports. I grew up playing sports, as you can imagine. And I think over the years, my love and appreciation um, for women's sports has just exploded. I, I really enjoy watching uh, and engaging in women's sports. I have a, a few favorites. Track and field is one of them. The, the world championships just happened, and I've been following this track star, Abby Steiner, from the University of Kentucky, and she's been doing just amazing. Uh, and then, man, uh, I got into women's water polo. I mean, who would have known? Uh, but the, the women's water polo team in the U.S. has just been so, so dominant. Ashley Johnson uh, is just a, a staple on that team. Uh, but I have to say that uh, women's basketball is probably at the pinnacle for me. I love women's basketball. I love uh, the WNBA. And probably my uh, number one or top figure uh, of all time in women's basketball is a woman named Don Staley. Don is um, uh, an amazing coach. She is uh, an Olympian. Uh, she was a, a star at the University of Virginia. And, and she has become a two-time NCAA Women's National Championship winner. But I read this story about Dawn a little while ago, maybe just before this, this championship run that she just had back in March. And so I was reading this article as I was waiting to pick up my son at school, and the article talked about how Dawn, after her first championship, there's a tradition of cutting down the nets. And so she uh, cut down the net, uh, and then the, the piece of her net, she actually cut it up and sent it to other African-American women coaches in basketball around the country. And she put a little note, and she said, we are in this together. And that really impressed me that, that Don would 
do that. Now, uh, one thing you need to know is that Carolyn Peck is the second, uh, is the first African-American woman to win uh, the national championship at the college level, and she actually did the same thing for Dawn. She sent her a piece of her championship net. And, and, and this really just kind of blew my mind when I, when I uh, came into this understanding because to think of others at the pinnacle of your success beyond just the, I want to thank my, my other coaches and my teammates and my friends, beyond just that, but, but to, to actually show action, that's not, that's not normal. And to consider yourself with others in the struggle and not above them, which is a counter to this one-up society that we live in, where we're trying to one-up everyone and we're trying to be better than our, our neighbor. To, 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 to do what Don did is not typical. Carolyn Peck was trying to get Don to see beyond herself, and then Don was trying to get others to see beyond themselves as well, and to see themselves collectively together in what they were doing. Nicole Powell, who is the head basketball coach at UC Riverside, she said, what Don did was to get me to think bigger. And I think this is what happens when we consider others. We, we begin to think bigger. We begin to think outside of ourselves in this very me-first world that we're in. Dr. King has this quote that says, war begets war. And basically what he's saying is, is that war doesn't help us. It just produces more war. And the more and more I thought about that, I, I said, I think we can say the same thing for compassion. Compassion begets compassion. And I think this is the kind of thing that happens at a greater level when God's Spirit is at work in us. We begin to think more of others and beyond ourselves, and we become more selfless. And God's Spirit at work in us, it produces fruit that helps us to think differently, to move differently, to engage differently, to reflect differently than the world around us. Speaking of compassion, that's related to what I want to talk a little bit about tonight as we dive into the continuation of this series full of it. I don't know who came up with that subject, but I love that because we're we, we full of a lot of stuff, you know, so we can put, we can put some blanks under, under it. But we're talking about God's Spirit at work in us, which produces fruit, meaning that the goal for us, particularly those who, who follow Jesus, should be that the fruit of God's Spirit in us is, that's what we want to be filled with, is, is God's Spirit, and that's what we want to produce are the fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. We've all talked about all of those so far in this series, but today I want to zoom in on one of those fruits that I think is misunderstood and mischaracterized, and it is gentleness. This guy named Paul, uh, who 
wrote the majority of uh, the New Testament, he would write these letters to these small communities, uh, these Jesus followers, and he would try to encourage them, and he would try to coach them, try to help them to understand what does it mean to be uh, a Jesus follower. And so he's writing a letter to a group of Jesus followers in an ancient city called Colossae. Now, Colossae is in uh, modern-day uh, Turkey, and so Paul is writing to this, this, this small community of believers in, in Colossae, and he's addressing things uh, that are around dangerous teachings, things that are, are not congruent with what it means to, to, to follow Jesus. He's addressing uh, matters of spiritual maturity. What does it mean to, to have a mature faith? And then he's talking about how we handle one another. And I want to really zoom in on that piece today. Before we get to Colossians 3, and we pick it up in verse number 12. Before we get there, uh, I was an English major in college, and so I love linguistics, and I love kind of looking at the context and, and, and the different words. And so I just want to illuminate something for you. At the very beginning of verse 12, there's a word there that says, therefore. So anytime when you're reading in the scriptures and there's a therefore, you need to know what it's there for. And so it's kind of like an if-then statement, this, this therefore. So that means that there's something happening before uh, what is being said. So, so what's happening before this, this, this statement of, or this word of therefore is Paul, who's writing, is basically saying, if you have been raised with Christ or if you are one who follows Jesus, then you should have a particular mindset. And he goes on to unpack what this is. And then he goes on to verse number 12, and this is where we pick it up. Here we go. Paul says, therefore, he's talking about having this particular mindset of being a Jesus follower. Therefore, as God's chosen ones, holy and dearly loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another if anyone has a grievance against another. Just as the Lord has forgiven you, so you are also to forgive. Above all, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity, and let the peace of Christ to which you were also called in one body rule in your hearts. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell richly among you in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, in word or in deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. I want to use for just a simple subject for this message today, three words, handle with care, handle with care. Now, we've all seen boxes or received boxes or seen these labels that say like fragile or, or, or handle with care because maybe there's something delicate in there or there's glass or maybe even like in medical offices or doctor's offices, you see those little symbols that let you know that there's maybe some danger inside so you need to proceed with caution. Um, so we are, we're familiar with, with what this phrase or phraseology means. But 
today I'm not talking about inanimate objects. I'm not talking about delicate things. Um, I, I, I'm not talking about glass or old items that you need to just, you know, handle very carefully. I'm talking about people and how we handle one another. Because when I think about gentleness, that, that, is, that is what I'm thinking about in terms of what, what, what the Scriptures are teaching us in terms of what it means to uh, engage with one another gently. Paul is saying, if you follow Jesus, this is how you handle one another. Now, we all know that we kind of have a tendency to handle one another on sliding scales, right? It just kind of depends, you know, what day it is, if I like you, if you're cool, you know, all of those sorts of, we got these sliding scales, right? Because it's real easy to deal with people who are like us, people who uh, vote like us, people who like our same teams, or, or uh, people we're cool with, or even kids. You know, we kind of like kids, especially those who are not our own. We can give them back, you know. But here's the thing. It's hard to deal with people who are annoying, people who are disrespectful or arrogant, inconsiderate, selfish, ignorant, and then those who hurt us, right? We don't want to deal with those kind of people. We don't, we don't want to uh, have time to engage with them or any of those sorts of things. Those are not our people, right? And we tend to be very merit-based with how we handle people. What does that mean? That means that I'm going to handle you with whatever energy you handle me with, right? I'm going, to, I'm going to give to you whatever you give to me. So if you don't give respect to me, I don't give respect to you. Or I'm just going to cancel you or cut you off because I'm not even going to deal with you. Now, I, you know, uh, have my own issues at times with not being as gentle as I can be, um, I, I have this struggle as well. And, and I'm re- reminded of a time um, just this past um, winter. Uh, my wife's family is from Cincinnati. And in case you didn't know, and maybe you don't care, but the Cincinnati Bengals, they had a pretty good season, you know, this past year. And uh, they made it all the way to the Super Bowl. They didn't win it, you know. And um, I, I had already forgiven my father-in-law for coming into Baltimore wearing a Cincinnati Bengals jersey on Sunday morning. Uh, I had forgiven him for that. Uh, but, but my mother-in-law, uh, in one particular playoff game, which I'm, I, I wasn't even aware that she uh, actually really loved football that much, she's sending me text messages about how great the Bengals are doing. And I'm a little annoyed um, at this because I'm like, why, why are you sending me these messages? I, I care nothing about the Bengals. And I just said, I'm going to ignore this text. I am not even going to dignify this with a, a response. And I told my wife, please tell your, my, your mother to stop texting me. Now, that's, you know, a, a small, maybe even funny uh, uh, example of what it means to be ungentle. And I've got far worse stories that I'm not going to tell you. But we all know what it's like to be ungentle. We all know uh, when we're not being uh, gentle to one another. And as a matter of fact, we are seeing a lot 
of canceling in our culture, which is the common way of dealing with dislike or people who we just don't want to deal with or people we vehemently disagree with. Because the truth is, it's much easier to do that than to do what Paul is asking us to do in this writing. I get it. But what I want to do today is I just want to highlight two ways that I believe that Paul is saying that we can express gentleness as Jesus followers. But before we unpack those two things, I I think we need to have just some clarity on what gentleness actually means. When researchers write and they're writing about a particular subject, they they make sure that they, they give a clarifying definition at the beginning so we're all on the same page regarding what we're talking about. So what does gentleness mean? Well, uh, it comes from a Greek word, um, proates, all right? And that Greek word is the same uh, meaning as gentleness of spirit. It also has the same meaning of meekness. I love words. I was an English major. And so as I began to, to dig into this, I saw a problem here. I, I, I saw a problem with, with this, this word uh, meekness here. Because when, when we define meekness and we look up what meekness means, it's not very positive, right? To endure without protest, to be deficient of courage, None of this really encourages me to want to be gentle. This is not really something that I really feel like I want to embody and do. You know why? Because this sounds weak. It sounds soft. It sounds like I'm actually setting myself up to be a mat, to be walked on. No one wants to sign up for that. So what is this guy Paul talking about? Well, I'm so glad you guys asked. Thank you so much for asking. (laughs) Paul is not, he's not suggesting that this is what we do. But he is suggesting a couple of things that I want to unpack for us. If you're taking notes, point number one, and it's actually right in what we read, Paul is saying that we should bear with one another. The Greek word for bear, it literally means to put up with. Again, that doesn't sound very positive because when we think about that, we're we're thinking about bad things or things that, you know, we don't necessarily want to deal with. But it's not necessarily bad things. It's just putting up with things that we don't necessarily have to. Sometimes it's not necessarily bad. We just don't necessarily want to have to put up with that. And so it's all-encompassing, this, this idea of bearing with one another. But, but here's the real problem. The real problem is the cultural context that we live in, particularly here in the West, right, this Western uh, civilization, because we are all about individualism and personal freedom, right? It's not that those things are wrong, But when we hit moments like we just hit over the last couple of years when we were in this 
pandemic, right? Where we're fighting over masks and, and vaccinations. And now the, the fight continues uh, with, the, with, with these rulings recently around uh, uh, guns and, and the right to own guns and gun laws and, and abortion and all of those sorts of things. Now, I'm not telling you that you shouldn't have a perspective or an opinion on those things. The, the problem is we value being right about those things more than we value being in right relationship with one another. We would rather be right about a particular issue than be right with our neighbor or people around us. And so we prioritize that over how we engage or how we handle those around us. Paul is, he's not suggesting that we don't have an opinion or a perspective. It's a matter of how are we prioritizing. Because bearing with one another, it suggests empathy for one another. I love uh, reading research and research articles, and sometimes I listen to podcasts, and I listen to researchers give interviews about their, their research. And recently, I was reading this article about the, uh, oh, I was listening to this, 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 this podcast, and then I read the transcript about the rise of narcissism. And basically, they had done some research uh, around the world of different countries, and um, this is what they found in the research. They, they found that where there's a high value of individualism, there is a lower value of empathy. I found that to be fascinating given of the country that we live in and the kind of things that we have been seeing in our country. Ladies and gentlemen, I think this is us. So then the question becomes, if this is us, and Paul is suggesting that we go against the grain if we follow Jesus and we're supposed to embody something else and we're supposed to have a different mindset, then then, then what, what does that look like? Well, he says we should put on... And this whole idea of putting on is about a mindset. We should put on compassion, kindness, and humility. It means that we're not always trying to win, but we're working to be one, if at all possible. Some people make it a little difficult, but that's what we're working towards. I want to try to understand you. I want to try to get on the same page as you. But you know what? That's a lot less comfortable than me just going into my home, closing my door, and hoping that you don't come over to talk to me. It's a lot more comfortable to just say, peace out. I'll holler at you later, right? But here's the thing. We can't desire unity without bearing with one another, without embracing the tension. And a lot of Paul's writing to those who are Jesus followers, these are the things that he's talking about. He's talking about the same kind of cultural tensions that we have today. They were socioeconomic, they were political, they were racial, all of the things that we're dealing with. So the scriptures are relevant to what we are dealing with right now. And Paul is helping Jesus followers to answer a question back then that is still relevant to us today. How do I follow Jesus and still honor and respect people, including enemies and people who, I, who do not believe what I believe or people who do believe what I believe? 
And in verse 15 of what we read, it says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts so that you can be one body. To a different group in Rome, Paul writes, do everything you can to keep the peace among you. You know what that is? That's gentleness. If I'm doing everything that I can to keep the peace, that, that is an expression of gentleness. It doesn't mean that we make ourselves a doormat. It doesn't mean that we don't speak truth when we need to speak truth. It doesn't mean that we don't confront. There is a way for us to do it. And the way to do it is the way Jesus did it, is to embody grace and truth. We must understand that choosing not to bear with is choosing to forfeit unity. And that mindset won't help us grow in gentleness. So the first point that Paul is making here is bear with one another. The second point here is forgive one another. Now, if you thought bearing with one another was hard, forgive one another is even harder. This one is hard because it has to do with offense. And we are seeing a lot of offense and we, we, we are feeling offended in a lot of ways at times. And this is, this is an ongoing thing around us. And here's the thing. When we feel offended or where there is offense or we feel wounded, it is significant. And the response to that internally is human nature wants to feel or, or have justice on its own terms. And forgiveness seems like letting people off the hook. But can I tell you something? And there's, there's, there's research to back this up, that actually forgiveness is letting yourself off the hook. Because unforgiveness is corrosive. It, it makes our hearts hard. It creates and stirs up resentment in us. And it's hard to be gentle with a hard heart. I was thinking of a story that happened almost four years ago uh, in September of, of 2018. And uh, it's a national story, and many of you may have heard of it, but it, it, was, it was involving a young man, a young African-American man who uh, was a worship leader at his church. And uh, it was late at night, and he was in his apartment, and he was sitting, and he was eating, and it was in the dark, and he was eating ice cream or cereal, something to that effect. And, 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 and a young police officer who happened to be a white woman was, was coming in late off of her shift, and she was on the wrong floor. But, but she went to open the door and saw this man sitting uh, there, and, and she immediately uh, pulled her gun, and, and she shot, and she killed this man, uh, thinking that it was her apartment. Grave mistake. And, and it was a national story, as, as you can imagine, and, 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 and the, all of the, the rhetoric and the talk around race and the police and all of these things, it, it just, it, it, it blew up. But, but you know what blew up even bigger? It was what, what happened in the courtroom when, when this young man's brother took the stand uh, at the sentencing. And, and after he uh, told the judge whatever it is he had to say, he leaned over to the judge and said, can I give this officer a hug? 
And he steps down from uh, uh, the stand and he walks over to this, this police officer, this young black male and this, this young white uh, police officer, and, and he embraces her. And he says, as God has forgiven me, I must forgive you. That was so controversial. Many people in the black community said, hey, this is a problem here. This is, this is also related to how uh, this, this Christianity that, that we see promoting a, a white Jesus uh, still is hovering and has control and power over our people. Now, that is an incorrect narrative. There's plenty of, of research to, to back this up. But you know what that is? That is resentment over history and years and years of, of things happening that is, that is built up, that has created hard hearts, and it is an apologetic issue. And it's something that is significant to me that as I lead a multi-ethnic cross-cultural church, we elevate these kinds of things because it helps us to become aware of this kind of dynamic that divides us. And when we, are, when we are aware of it and we can lean in, we can lean in and we can listen a little bit differently. We can engage a little bit differently. When we lean in, we can, we can gain and grow in our gentleness. When I think about that story, I think the practical question there is, what would you do? If you were in that situation, would you be able to just forgive? That's tough. I don't know. I can't say in that moment if I would have had the same response. But, but I can see God's power at work in this young man. And, and he embodied the example that we should all embody. Despite all of the very, very visceral and very contentious things that are happening in our culture, we, as Jesus' followers, are called to step in and exemplify gentleness. God doesn't offer forgiveness on a sliding scale. And I'm so glad that he doesn't, because then he went on to send Jesus to offer to us a way to be reconciled back to him. Before we would even choose him, he chose us. Let me see if I can bring this in for a landing. I thought about how else I could practically explain or, or show what gentleness looks like. And I thought about two items. I thought about the sword and I thought about the scalpel. Both of them are very sharp objects. But they're used very specifically, right? Sword, we know. Uh, and we don't really like use these anymore, but we, we, we see movies and they're, they're, they're using these swords, you know, in, de, in defense and in battle and those sorts of things. And, and uh, we, we are, we're aware of, 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 of what these weapons are. The scalpel is used a lot differently, probably used a lot more often. It's used for dissecting, and I'm thinking of how it's used for surgery as well. But you know what? I think in how we deal with one another, we look more like sword carriers. We look more like people who, let me give you an example, were like Peter, who was a follower of Jesus, but Peter was so gangster, he was always packing, he was cutting people's ears off, and he was, yo, I will shank you if you step to me. 
That was Peter, and that's how some of us roll, and we're cool with that. And what did Jesus do when that happened? Jesus like, yo, 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 Peter, chill, bro. Put the man's ear back on, you know. But I think that's how a lot of us handle the people around us. But when I think about a surgeon, I think about the preciseness and the gentleness and the patience of a surgeon's cut, right? And we all know that if we've had to get surgery or, or, or when, a, when a surgeon cuts, we know that at some point it's going to hurt. Thank God for anesthesia. But at some point it's going to hurt. You, you're going to be cut. But guess what? The cutting is to promote healing. That's what the cutting is for. And the fruit of the Spirit, gentleness, sometimes is, it involves cutting. It, it, it involves the precision and the patience of, of using a scalpel. It doesn't mean that we don't, we don't challenge. It doesn't mean that we don't confront. It just means that we do it in a way to promote healing. We do it in a way that promotes renewal and reconciliation and regeneration. So the question I have for you is, when you're engaging with the people around you, are you handling them with care? Are you engaging with them like you have a scalpel in your hand and, you're, and, and, and the conversations that you're having and, and the way that you're engaging in, in, in a way that is very, very careful. And, and maybe at times it, it, it could hurt or maybe at times uh, uh, it, it, it would be uh, uncomfortable. But at the end of the day, it promotes healing. And by the way, it takes a lot of skill to use that scalpel. And so that means as disciples and followers of Jesus, like we have to really be invested and engaged in learning and growing in what it means to be a follower of Jesus and displaying all of these fruit of the Spirit. And, and also when we think about surgeons, they're also empowered. They're empowered by a board and they're empowered by the state to do what they do. And if we want to be uh, people who exemplify the fruit of the Spirit, we must also understand that we have to be empowered. There's no way we can do this in our own strength and in our own power. We have to be empowered by God's Spirit. So then, will you join me now as we pray? And we specifically ask God's Spirit to fill us so that we can be a reflection of what it means to follow Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you for who you are. These fruit of the Spirit that are a reflection of spiritual maturity, these are not easy things. And all of these fruit we can display at moments in our power. But to be consistent in them, we need an indwelling and an outpouring of your Spirit upon us. Will you help us? Will you empower us? We invite you to help us understand how to be gentle, 
how to be full of grace and truth. And those moments when we have to cut, let the cutting promote healing, renewal, and regeneration, and reconciliation. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.